There's a conspiracy afoot that's pulling the world into darkness. Information is the new battlefield. Propaganda, disinformation, and media manipulation dominate the minds of the public. Join us on the Dark to Light Show as we remove the head of the snake and expose media censorship, social and cultural engineering, and the unfolding global conspiracy of the New World Order. All right, welcome back to the Dr. Light Show. My name is Josh here with Jim Price. Hope everybody is hey. doing well and had a fantastic weekend. And, uh, mm-hmm. man, we just kicked things off as fast as we possibly can on Monday morning, huh? Yeah, <coughs> so First Republic Bank has closed their doors and were taken over by regulators. And immediately after, the, 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 uh, the second largest bank in U.S. history's failure, First Republic would be acquired by J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan. Oh my goodness! That's I mean, nice. That sounds familiar. J.P. Morgan. I know. JP Morgan. You know. You know, Jim. Thirty years ago, there were ten thousand eight hundred and ninety-four banks in the United States. Today, there's four thousand one hundred and thirty-five. Wow. Every year, the big banks become more powerful while the competition shrinks. This is by design. You know, I, I I've said this over and over and over again. You know that we're seeing the same thing that happened in 1929. We're seeing a centralization of banking power, and we're seeing a transference of actual real wealth, which has not even begun yet, begin to occur. Now, in the sense of the transference of wealth, real property, uh, these types of things, farms. So I, I was watching this, uh, this report this weekend about why why the foreclosures are not happening. So if everybody remembers during the COVID pandemic, there was a, uh, a forbearance given to people who held mortgages, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. this forbearance basically said that for six months, you don't have to pay your mortgage, but it'll incur interest and it'll be added on to your, um, your escrow amount. And uh, then you'll have to pay it back. Well, this is going to cause a lot of people to default. I think we all understand that. Well, one thing that happened during that time frame is because of the moratorium on foreclosures, many of these banks fired, got rid of, and laid off the majority of their foreclosure lawyers, their foreclosure teams. So these people went out there and got other careers, real estate, all these other types of things. And now, you know, three years down the road, when we have a massive 100%, 200%, 300% increase in the amount of foreclosure filings, so we're at about 380% increase in um, foreclosure uh, filing since 2019. Um, right. We have no no teams at these banks to actually process them. This is the big problem, is that they don't have enough people to actually process these foreclosures. So these people continue to get more and more and more into debt. And uh, so kind of what we're seeing right now is I believe there's like 1.4 million homes in America that are in the foreclosure process but are not being foreclosed on because there's not enough manpower to actually process them. But this is a pending crisis that is occurring in our country right now in the sense that once this does hit, there is going to be a massive transference of wealth of actual real property back into the hands of the banks. And if we look at what's happening right now, these banks are going out there, taking over the smaller banks and accumulating all of their assets and their debts, including all these loans and so on and so forth. So we're seeing mm-hmm. a centralization in the banking power. Now, Jim, what are your thoughts on why we're seeing a centralization in the banking power? <clears throat> well, again, it's, it comes down to the concentration of power. I mean, that's all really all it boils down to is the more that we can control the people, 
control the money. I mean, we control the people, we control the money. It's a, it's just back and forth of controlling the money and controlling the people. I don't think this is going to be anything that's going to go away anytime soon until we all figure out that we don't need their system. See, this is what I'm kind of, I'm kind of amazed by. How do we, how do we, how do we get this, this wood chipper to quit chewing our legs off? Well, quit putting your legs back in the wood chipper. How about that? We keep going back to this poison well called Central Bank, and we wonder why we worry about it. It's like everything you see that they're doing, you should be running from them. This is a very bad relationship to be in. And if we get away from this, create our own parallel economy, create our own bartering system, wherever you want to call it, then we don't have to worry about it. We Hey, fail all you want. Bye. I got this. Yeah, true. But here's the thing. Okay. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing it? Mm-hmm. Oh, they got to get back to they got to get to the one world the one world power, right? And this is the centralization of all your money and power into one fine tip point of uh, mm. t- uh, t- tyranny. Well, that's exactly it. Is we have the Fed now system coming out in the next few months. We have CBDCs rolling out in early 2024, and so how do you get compliance on those systems if there's still four thousand banks out there that people can choose from, of which um, is you know, a lot more than the big six that are going to comply with the FedNow system and with the integration of central bank digital currencies is you have to centralize the banking power and take the choices away from the people. So with understanding what they need to do is they have to draw these financial and economic problems about within society to basically um, draw down the amount of choices that you have, right? This is going to be Coke and Pepsi type of style is that right. they have to crash these banks systematically. There has to be an economic collapse coming at some point in time, which is going to ruin and drain the assets of those banks so they can be acquired by the larger banks, of which those larger banks will already be affiliated and integrated into the FedNow system, into the whole control system of the central bank digital currencies that's coming about, because then there's no choice for people. They have to comply. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well... I mean, this is stuff that we talked about. I mean, I mean, Kirk talks about it constantly. And when I saw they went down, isn't this one of the, isn't this bank that went down this weekend really basically kind of like the straw that breaks the camel's back with the domino effect now? I mean, isn't this really what's going to, we're going to see this happening in a rapid succession? I think they're only letting us know these things in a controlled uh, demolition effect, right? All right, you guys... All right, we're going to come in and prop you up. You guys will be solvent. All right, chill out. Cool. All right, don't make any announcements. We'll come in, you know, the second week of May. Okay, we'll come in the third week of June. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, do we know that this is, do we not know this is how they're doing it? I mean, do we have any evidence to say these are uh, failing on their own or are they failing in the timing that they're wanting? Well, I, I think that it's going to be sporadic on how these banks fail. It's dependent upon the leverage of their assets versus their liabilities. But when we start looking at the bigger picture here is that most of the banks right now who are not, um, um, I, I guess, community owned or community funded are going to have mm-hmm. these types of problems because they went out and they took, put their, their money, their deposits on long term U.S. debt bonds, which are now basically worthless because short term bonds are, are way more valuable. And so banks are going to go out there and they're going to go bust because they cannot substantiate any level of profit margin 
um, and their in their debits are not their debit debits, their but their credits are liabilities. That everybody who puts money into those banks becomes a new liability because that bank has to turn around and make money off of it. And in a time right. frame when you have higher interest rates, uh, nobody's borrowing money. Nobody wants to borrow money. Um, then you have to find alternative methodologies to go out there and earn money. And they're obviously not increasing the interest rates of savings accounts and CDs. So what are these smaller banks going to do? Well, they're going to fail eventually. Right. Oh, yeah. This is <clears throat> well, this is, again, rushing to what we create the collapse and the and the currency that you see that exists. And then that way uh, you run to the CBDCs. Is that creating the safe harbor called CBDCs? Is yeah. that what they're doing as well? I mean, yeah, that, if that's you kind of do ask. is they're going to show that our whole financial system, our whole economic system, that the money system is is was designed for corruption. Capitalism was designed for corruption. That that greed will always prevail. And the way that we solve this problem is through central bank digital currencies. Right. Wow. And then the thing is, though, is then it just creates a. See, this is the one thing I don't think I, we haven't really had this conversation. To me. I do see that going forward, we're going to find that the CDBDC, you may have, let's say you have a thousand credits in there, but I really do believe that they're going to create a valuation, not so much that whether you can spend your money. It's like, yeah, you can go ahead and buy that cheeseburger, but your credit score, your social credit score is so low that it's going to cost you not just 10 credits for a cheeseburger, but it's going to cost you 25 because it's quote unquote your your CBC is not as valuable because of the you know you, you've been a bad person you've been a, your your social credit score is not good does that make sense like I see the devaluation of your currency as opposed to really just whether they control whether you can make that you know when you swipe it it declines I'm just saying oh well, yeah you swipe it but it's going to really cost you does that make sense. It, it does. It does. And, you know, when we look at this, um, the situation that's occurring right now, th this isn't only economic here in the United States. This is also political and that mm -hmm. we have two houses of Congress that are no longer representing the people, but they're instead representing the private and corporate interests that basically fund them. And that's mm -hmm. a scary thing in, in its own right because these banks are given this pass where, where the government goes in and acquires these smaller banks and then sells it for pennies on a dollar to companies like J.P. Morgan because they are in bed with them. This is a direct from the World Economic Forums in, in the sense of what's known as public-private partnerships, PPP. And this is nothing more than backdoor communism. Right. Oh, yeah. I don't – again, I just – I don't understand. It's like – do you, when you thought of like how your life was going to go, did you ever think about how you would try to elevate yourself to a position that you could control everybody's daily decisions? Say that again. Is that, <laughs> so, so when you're thinking about your life, like you're like you're sitting out there going, "Hey, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a train operator." Um, no, did you when you when you were a kid or when you were growing up as an adult, you're thinking about how you're going to elevate and move up through. Did you ever think that you would want to be the person who just controls everybody's daily decisions? <laughs> nope, not at all. Uh, I'd I rather yeah. uh, influence my own. There we'll you go. be right back with more Dark Delight show after this. Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. All right. Back to the Dark Delight show. Welcome so, back. Yeah. Fox News underestimated the boycott of Tucker Carlson's exit. 
their ratings have just continued to tumble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't. I, what? What? I mean, seriously. I, I, this is the part I don't understand. It's like even if I'm Facebook, if I'm selling cheeseburgers, do I care where your money comes from or what you think about when you're eating my cheeseburger? Do I really care? Well, I mean, that's like Facebook saying like shadow bans me and does all this other stuff. Like, if I'm out here creating content and I'm driving people to your platform, what do you care? I mean, do you really care, or should you care, or is this just that much of a narcissistic effect? Narcissism. I don't know how you narcissism. <laughs> narcissistic. There you go. Well, it's a narcissistic I effect. So much about hamburgers and hot dogs and, and caring at that level. I, I think that it, it's about truth being a noble virtue in a time of great deceit. Mm-hmm. That those who are meant to deceive people will censor the truth at all costs, no matter how bad it gets for them. Right. So well, I think that with so. Fox News, they don't care. They don't care that Tucker Carlson's gone and they're going to have this massive exodus from them. Because what that's going to do is that's just going to even out the playing field with all the other news organizations who have taken hits over the years. And make them less and less relevant. Well, social media and, and the government makes them more and more relevant because they look at them as the authoritative, uh, the authoritative, um, you know, deciders of information. I think what we're about to see here is, uh, you know, if, if the left has their way, we're going to see state-run media take hold, uh, control of the internet, state-run media, and, and a complete abandonment of anything that is alternative to those means. I think that this is what they're prepping for. And I think that companies like Fox News and CNN and so forth have been given the green light that, hey, look, you know, you might hurt right now, but don't worry. Things will be fine in the future because we're going to sway all the, the people your way for that biased opinionation. Right. Well, and that <laughs> – that's did that did that bill that was going through the TikTok bill? Whatever happened to the TikTok bill? Well, they calmed down on it for a little while. It's called the uh, Restrict Act, Senate Bill six eight six, and they right. took it out of the public purview for a little while, and they'll bring it back up here very shortly. But they took it away because people were bringing too much attention to it. Right. So they so they've they, they've taken it off the floor. They're, are they going to try to put this through like an, an ominous bill or some other crap where they decide to change? The smoking age to 35 or something? I mean, this exactly is the, this what, is what I said. Exactly what I said is what they'll do is since people were accosted by it, they will bring it back in in some omnibus bill or they'll put it – they'll piecemeal it through a whole bunch of different other bills. Maybe through the uh, um, the the raising of the debt ceiling bill, they'll just back end it through. Who knows what they're going to do? Right. Well, this is again. These that this was your okay, and I use the word public servant because I'm using it deliberately. I'm not using it as an extremist term, but the public servant really is what they are, and yet we don't seem to we don't seem to be upset that our servant. Let's let's just go. Let's go to the. Let's say they're a house cleaner. If your house cleaner comes in and just steals all your crap every day and never cleans the house and doesn't respond to you. And only shows up when they quote unquote feel like it. How long are you going to keep that housekeeper keeper around? You're not. But these people are out there literally stealing from you, showing they're stealing from you, and then having other people steal from you and then give it to them. 
And then they're over here going, hey, um, you know, we're the victims because we are trying to, you know, make this world a better place. I that we've got to get our our public servants in control. We we really do. And this is absolutely why we this is why our constitutional republic doesn't work, because it means that we have to participate. A constitutional republic doesn't make just wildly have this amazing life of its own like it's an AI. It, we have to put forth the effort to maintain, you know, the um accountability through the public servants. I mean, what are they doing? When's the last time you really held your mayor accountable when they let you talk for three minutes? This is the part I don't understand. We have the right to redress our grievances in, in our Constitution, yet, and every state has this, every state has the right to redress your grievances with your public servants, but yet they give you three minutes to talk at a county commissioner's meeting or three minutes to talk at a city council meeting. How is that How is that a right? Oh, oh give you three minutes so that you can somehow affect our opinion that's going to change the direction of your life forever. I'm going to bring on these taxes or these cat leash laws or whatever. Give me your three-minute spiel, and I'm going to sit here and tolerate you. I'm going to play Candy Crush while I'm acting like I'm listening to you. Oh, three minutes is over. Thank God. We got rid of that person. Oh, three minutes is over. Got rid of that person. Oh, thank God. Why is three minutes? Who decided that three minutes, if you've ever done a public debate on three minutes time cycles, it is almost impossible to articulate a good meaning. That that is absolutely ridiculous. That that's what our public servants allow us to talk. That doesn't that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me. My public servant allows me to talk. Give me the math on that. Where do we let go of the purse strings on that deal? Well, I, I think the problem arises when you have people who would spend forty eight hours there listing all their grievances. <laughs> Um, well, that's I, I what it takes. But I disagree. You're you're absolutely right, and that's the thing, is that they they come in, in the sense that there has to be some time limitation on how long they're going to be stayed there. But they're they're public officials. No, there's not. Um, when we look at the First Amendment, the problem is is it has been infringed, and because mm-hmm. it was infringed and we allowed it to happen, now they come for the Second Amendment, and, and that's the real horror here. Is that people are allowing right. the complete infringement upon the Second Amendment without any anybody held accountable? But we're lucky because uh, Judge Stephen McGlynn, the United States District Judge of the United States District Court in the Southern District of Illinois, was appointed by Donald Trump. Um, in his opinion, he noted that Illinois already has a plethora of gun laws on the books saying that it needs to take those laws serious and enforce them before further restricting the rights of citizens with the assault weapons ban. And he overruled the assault weapons ban that Illinois just put in place. Uh, th- this is the same as what happened in Washington State where they just banned semi-automatic, semi-automatic rifles. Yes, for anybody out there who did not know, the state of Washington just banned semi-automatic rifles. You can no longer buy a semi-automatic rifle in the state of Washington. Wow. That's how bad this is getting. Well, and, and here's the thing. There is I, – I, guys, I don't how – do how else do I interpret the Constitution, Josh? I mean, seriously, I feel like I'm really out there just saying some real wackadoodle stuff. Like I'm getting way too far out of my skis on what I think freedoms and liberties look like. And where I'm saying, listen – how is this possible that in a country where we supposedly are the freest thing on earth that we hear about another state or another county or another city or some type of jurisdiction that says 
by the way, these people can't say this. They can't do this. They can't own this. They can only own this. Guys, why is it that I feel like I'm the guy, I'm out here going, hey, did you ever hear this thing called freedom? Shh, don't say freedom, Jim. Don't, oh, no, 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 liberty. No, shh, say it quietly. That way you don't make them mad. Well, who's them? Oh, oh our public servants. Screw them. Why do I f- sound like such a, a fanatical to say that what is simply written in a constitution, and it is simply written in the most direct, most deliberate words ever put on paper to say that the government is limited, not the people. And yet here it is, our, an entire state of how many, I mean, this is an entire population of Washington just said, okay, uh, we're just going to let that go. Uh, we'll get you on the next one. How is that possible? That doesn't make sense to me that that's okay. That we just that they everybody just let down, let down their guard. Uh, we'll get them on. We'll, we'll work harder on the abortion rights. There's 7.8 million people in Washington, and yet we can't seem to get this figured out. Well, did you see that the video make sense. from Montana, where the the women were crying and hugging each other after they um, kept abortion legalized? This is absolute absurdity. You know, you hug each other so you can kill your baby. The right to kill. If we had, if we had, if we had a country at all that we said, okay, hey, they're executing one-year-olds. Okay, they're executing a million one-year-olds every single year. If there was a country that was making the news rounds that they're executing, uh, and you know, they're calling it a medical procedure, but they're executing a million kids per year. We would be, quote unquote, all up in arms protesting, you know, help the people of Peru, right? Or, you know, let's go in there and let's, you know, let's, let's stop this genocide. If that was a real thing, if that was really happening, we would be in there in a minute. People would be giving money, billions of dollars would be raised. This would be bigger than Farm Aid and all the other things all of a sudden because they're killing a million one-year-olds every day. They're just executing them, just walking up. Oh, it's your one-year birthday. Boom, you're gone. And it's a random lottery. So nobody knows whose kid's going to be randomly killed at one years of age, but just randomly we can kill one-year-olds, a million of them. We would be in there on the genocide march and talking about justice, you know, and we're all praying for this, but we're, we, we, we abort a million children every year, and yet women are celebrating that? That doesn't make sense to me. It does not make sense to me that we devalue human life. This is where you keep going back into the cell port portion of where we devalue, devalue, devalue to the point where there's nothing left. That's why we don't have value. We don't have values as adults because we don't even value our children. The values have been systematically degraded because of social influence, social manipulation, social engineering, and because of the lack of parental and authoritative guidance within the household. I mean, we can go back to the moral and ethical base as a causation for the majority of this. We'll be right back Mm -hmm. with more Dark Delight Show after this. Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. All right. Back to the Dark Delight show. And Jim, Hello. how much longer do you think we have to go before we start seeing the, the fruits of the truth that's coming out? 
Well, the sad part of it is, is that we're so we're so uh, so close to the forest, we can't see the trees. Uh, I think we've been seeing the unraveling of the lies, and I think the truth has been on this huge, huge uh, momentum. I mean, uh, growth. I think we've been doing amazing things with it, but yet we've we kind of forget that. Like I, I mentioned this, uh, that you know, in 2016, when I told people there was election issues, when I told people there was an establishment, when I told people that. You know, that it's not the left and right wing of the same bird, you know, and I didn't say it back then that way, but that seems to be the popular statement. Um, but the establishment, you know, picking winners and losers and, and those kind of things, people are like, why, Jim, come on, it doesn't sound, you know, but I can say that nowadays and you're like, yeah, Jim, that's how it's always been. That's what, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the truth. And we've been able to come that far in that conversation and, and to say that's happened in seven years. That seems like an enormous amount of long time, amount of time. But how long have they been doing this? Hundreds, thousands of years to us to get us to this point. I mean, they have really been in a, in a constant, you know, wash, rinse, repeat uh, cycle with us for so long. And they were really kind of hoping they were could just kind of get done with this the cycle of you know trying to maintain control, lose control, maintain control. And I think that we've really pushed past what what they can actually control at this point because now that all this stuff is out here. How do you unring the bell? You know, how do you put the kittens back in the bag? I mean, what do you what do you do here? I mean, maybe that's a bad analogy with the kittens, but um, <laughs> the cats back in the bag. Uh, how do you do that? So this is a real thing where where I think we've grown a lot, and I think we're experiencing a lot of truth right now. And even some of the mainstream media stuff can't put you know they can't push back on it much harder without them just seeming completely ridiculous. And you've seen them shift. But they haven't come all the way, but they have shifted. And, and we have to be patient, too, in a lot of ways, because there's a lot of people that are at ground zero with growth. And then there's other of us that are, you know, that are way out ahead. Well, you know, I, I look at it in, in a very similar light that what we're seeing here is the great awakening, the great unveiling, the apocalypse, is that truth is rising up from the depths of darkness that they mm -hmm. can't hide their motifs anymore that everything is coming forth um and, and that this is kind of the dichotomy of the situation because on one hand you have the people who are waking up to the truth and and, and embracing it and and trying to understand it and comprehend it and trying to uh, rationalize it then on the other hand you have the people who have the that see the truth and have the ultimate denial of it. And it goes back to the, the, the famous quote that truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. And third, it is accepted as self-evident. And right now, we are with that first and second stage that it's becoming violently opposed. Mm -hmm. And it's being ridiculed because people cannot accept, they cannot rationalize that this world was built on a foundation of lies, of deception, of deceit, that the people that they trusted with their wealth, with their life, with their freedoms have betrayed them to such a large degree. Yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, it, and I mean you and I, I always do that little bit of a pause like, you know, what's next? Where are we at? What's going to happen here? And, and we are, we are seeing a lot of, I mean, what a great time to be alive, right? We're seeing a lot of it. I'm, we're not seeing innovation. We're not seeing like the invention of the wheel, right? But what we're seeing is where people really do see the value of the transparency. They see the value of the truth and they're actually seeking it out 
where so many times before people were just like, oh, really? Cool. And they just accepted whatever was told them. But now I think we've broken away from that mold. I think we're really pushing back. I think it's a, it's it's fun, but at the same time, it kind of hurts. It's kind of that, mm, you know, it makes you feel dirty that you believe so much of the lie. Well, and that's the thing is that you have to be armed with facts. You have to be armed with the truth. If someone, if someone confronts you, let's say a lefty confronts you, and mm-hmm. you don't know what to say, then you're not armed with the truth. Especially if it's a platform that you stand upon. And this is why I think it's important to go out there and get varying different points of view and and to to really access the knowledge that is out there and and have a, a, a storage of the facts. Because, for instance, Netflix has this new Cleopatra series. Have you seen this? Oh, I've seen videos of it. I've seen little clips. No, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the okay. series yet. So she's black. Oh, I heard about this. So, the so they are made mad. Cleopatra black, and they they brought right. you know a lot of people are like, well, she could have been black. We really don't know. It's not historically accurate. She could she could have definitely been black. And a lot of the actors and people taking place in this, and they're talking about the production of it. Oh, she was definitely probably black and probably black. Now, this week. <laughs> Um, this is a four part series that is playing on, on, on Netflix. So Mustafa Waziri, a black guy, who's the head of the Supreme Antiquities Council in, in in Egypt. He said, depicting the famous queen as black was nothing less than a falsification of Egyptian history. He said, there is nothing racist in this view, which motivated by defending the history of Queen Cleopatra, an important part of the history of Egypt and antiquity. She was Greek. She was white. Yeah. She was not black. And so this is a falsification. So this is where it goes in that they change history with social influence. They change history with the authority that they have. Now there's going to be a generation of kids that grow up believing that Cleopatra was potentially black. And it's historically inaccurate. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what they do with... See, that's where I, I, I and, and I know that we have kind of touched on this, but the whole Hitler story, there's something about the Hitler story that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And they're just, Uh-oh, okay. Here we go. Well, I'm, I'm just saying right now, I mean, this is what doesn't make sense to me. Okay. Germany is not that big of a country. It's not like Russia, right? Germany has imports and exports and it relies on its neighbors and it's kind of in this big community of countries, right? And yeah, they can produce a lot, but they're not self-reliant. Like they're not bringing in, like they're not the only lithium battery company on earth or whatever it was at the time. What, what, what I don't understand is to say that you had that many bodies you could throw at the world. First of all, all these German soldiers just kept reproducing and reproducing and going into the field and throwing themselves at the artillery of the enemy. But at the same time, that... That little that little country, I'm not saying, I, I know they're not little, but that little country goes all the way to South Africa, all the way to Peru, all the way to the South Pacific, all the way, I mean, we're talking clear into Egypt, all over the Middle East. German army is just everywhere. And then they had, and then everybody's mad at them. So they, Germany didn't have a quote unquote lot of, a lot of allies at that time. What, who, what, where did the money come from? Where did the money and the food and the babies to make the men 
come from that they were able to, quote-unquote, almost succeed in taking over the world? Does that, that, does that make sense to you there? Like, does that, that question does not seem to get answered, even in my, you know, pushing the envelope of, of, uh, thought on, on, you know, uh, on Hitler being a bad guy, good guy, whatever. I'm taking that out of the equation. I just want to know what infrastructure did they have? What goods were they selling on the global market that kept bringing so much money into them? Because when you're putting money out in war, you're not bringing money in, so to speak. War is not a money maker for the country that's usually in war. It's usually, you know, it's usually it's usually expending money. Does that make sense? Correct. So, a few things with World War II. Um, firstly, Adolf Hitler, before he started his incursion in Eastern Europe, moving east in Europe, he went first to uh, west in Europe and discussed this with all the royal monarchy. And he got the uh, the kingdom of the Netherlands to actually fund and help support the original war efforts, as well as the Vatican, many people don't know. And then what they did mm-hmm. is they went out to various different philanthropies and other wealthy corporations during that time, and they raised money. One of them happened to be Union Banking Corporation, which was uh, – uh, what was his name? Uh, his name was Thris Thiesen, who if you probably been in his elevators because they're still around today, who is the uh, owner of that bank, as well as a guy by the name of uh, of uh, William uh, Harriman, who was obviously mm-hmm. Prescott Bush's mentor. Prescott Bush was also one of the executives of Union Banking Corporation. Uh, Ford Motor Company provided them with uh, a substantial amount of vehicles uh, through their European Manufacturing Corporation. You had uh, different types. IBM obviously was one of the first companies to help invest within the infrastructure for the war of of uh, Germany. So th- they received funding from globalists, which we would call globalists today and bankers. That's who they mm. received funding for. Now, Adolf Hitler himself, um, you know, that, that man is an interesting man. There's a lot to say about that, but there's a lot of uh, evidence to support that he was basically influenced and manipulated by Fabian socialists um, to basically right. become who he was and who we saw him to be. Now, the persecution of the Jews, that's what we hear about today is the persecution of the Jews. But you don't hear about the persecution of the Christians. You don't hear about the persecution of the blacks. You don't hear about the persecution of everybody else in Germany other than just predominantly straight-blooded Germans. Because they did. They persecuted everybody. They killed everybody. They, they eliminated anybody who stood in their way. But the majority of the elimination actually came from the Western war effort to stop Germany. Um, long story, but... There, there's fault on both sides, and the whole World yeah. War II was actually a motivation towards the first global war, global order. We'll be right back with more Dark Delight Show. <laughs> Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Dark Delight Show. 99 oomph balloons, right? Loof balloons, yeah. All right. Well, you know... I mean, these are just when you when you hear. I mean, you hear about what we're trying to do to quote unquote take on China next year, which I can't take that seriously. Anyway, um, I'm not. We're not taking on anybody, and they're not taking on us. But to say that we moved up forty percent of our budget to say we're going to go out and take on China, or whatever. But I mean, again, Germany was is basically landlocked. I mean, they they rely on everything from everybody else. Uh, I just to me, it just seems very suspect that 
Russia or Germany was allowed to run so far and to do as much as they were because they were in, you know, down through the Middle East. They were in Israel. They were in South Africa. They were in North Africa. I mean, they basically they were in the, in the polls. Remember, they were even doing trips to the polls. So what are you doing in the poll area? You know, if I'm going to go, if I'm taking over the world, what am I worrying about the North and South Pole unless they're the last things left on Earth? But well, there's no civilization there to take in, over. In the North and South Poles. Um, What's that? They were very – so there was a magazine during pre-World War II or during World War II called Ostara. And Ostara was basically uh, developed by a, a radical sect of what's known as the Theosophist Society. Um, kind of the Fabian socialist that went out there with esotericism and occultism and created um, Astara, which kind of got its uh, its ranks implemented into the Nazi regime. And so Heimlich Himmler and many others were very big within to um, occult mythology mm-hmm. and believed that was, there were certain items. There was a civilization on this planet long before that was highly technologically advanced. And they knew that if they could find this technology – um, that mm-hmm. they would have the advantage over the rest of the world and could rule and dominate. And they believed that that, um, that the civilization that was destroyed was their, um, their progeny, or they were the progeny of that civilization. So it was the Aryan race is what they called it. They lived up far up north. Um, right. And so they went looking for this type of technology. Now, interesting enough, uh, one of the men, I think his not, name was Otto, Otto Heimann or I, uh, Otto uh, Heimberg, he was sent okay. by Himmler to actually go up to the North Pole in looking for what's known as the Spear of Destiny. And this would have been the spear that Jesus was, was stabbed with, which is said to have miraculous powers. And he is said to have sent a telegram back to Heimlich Himmler saying, uh, found it on our way back, which is interesting. Um, right. But there's a lot. So the Indiana Jones and... Uh, the, uh, the Temple of Doom, The Last Crusade, a lot of those supposedly are based on um, Hollywood telling us that, hey, look, they, they, this actually stuff actually did happen uh, to, a, right. to a certain extent. The Ark of the Covenant and stuff. Um, were they looking for these symbols of power, these relics of, a, of an ancient civilization? Possibly. I think that they actually were. And I think there's a lot of evidence to substantiate that. Um, right. Luckily for us, they didn't succeed. Well, and but what did they succeed in? Succeed in saying yes, the other exists, or succeed in saying it doesn't exist? I mean, is it still out there? Are there still things out there that we have that they've yet to discover? I mean, there are just too many things about the prior quote unquote cycles of this earth that we've been under to say that there is other things out there that we've obviously missed. Well, I think there's tons out here that we've missed. What was the deal with May Day? I thought May Day. What was the April? Is April first was supposedly the beginning of the new year? Isn't that right? So April. But what 1st, was May Day? So April Fools comes about from this, but yeah, April April Fools comes about because I believe it was Pope Innocent or uh, Pope uh, was it Pope Innocent or Pope? Uh, well, one of them changed it from the uh, Gregorian calendar to the Julian calendar, mm-hmm. and moved the first of the year to January first from April first. Now, April first in Greek and Roman mythology is the celebratory time of the beginning of the year, and so people who continue to celebrate the beginning of the year on April first were uh, called April Fools because they didn't know about the change in the calendar that had derived from the Pope. 
Now, did you know that the first of the year was known as April 1st, but the first five days were known as bad luck. And so they didn't celebrate those five days, but instead would take part in debauchery and drunkenness and so forth and wouldn't work or do anything else. And that was because the original Greek calendars, the original Roman mythology and Greek calendars um, only had 360 days and that the other five days were a mistake and the mistake came about through great trauma and cataclysm so they didn't celebrate those five days mm-hmm. now i get it i just why i mean why can't we just go back to that what would be wrong with that why can't we just go back to where we don't have daylight savings time where we go back to the original calendar i mean is it so is it so difficult for us to to comprehend that was why can't we just do this I mean, I thought we were supposed to get rid of daylight savings time, but the Senate failed to pick it up. I thought we had gotten that taken care of a few years ago, but we're still dealing with this daylight savings time. I mean, what? We don't need daylight savings time. We don't need the, the, the this leap year calendar they gave us. Why can't we have twenty eight day months? What, what? Keep it simple, stupid, right? Why can't we just have that? Other than the fact it just creates an imbalance in us constantly. Well, there you go. It creates an imbalance within us constantly. That's the point. Is they need you imbalanced. Did you know that there's more heart attacks that occur um, within between October and December than there is between April and June? Oh, yeah. Daylight savings time screws everybody up. It does. It absolutely it screws up your circadian rhythms. Yeah. Actually and your body's still that. used to that. You, you People don't realize that. Like So I, this is the, what I talked about about the bees. Bees harmonize themselves with the sun when they walk out of their out of their beehive because they accumulate themselves to the sun. They know where they're going and what time of the day it is. No different than a human being. We all think that we're just so like we're so disconnected and oh, we do, the earth and the moon and the sun doesn't bother us. But in reality, by you getting up in the morning and looking at the sun in the morning and the first sun gazing in the very first part of the day, it sets up your circadian clock. If you have problems sleeping at night, Catch the sun rising over the horizon, wherever it is you live. Do that for a week and then tell me how your, your circadian clock works and how much better sleep you're going to get. But you got to watch the sun rise. you got to watch it come up over the horizon. That's a real thing. Yep. Well, yeah, you do, and, and I get it, but still, it's so hard to get up that early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I know it is. Well, but it's it, the idea that our body is so tied to the sun. Our bodies are tied to the moon. I mean, what is it? They say that the uh, 911 calls and, and uh, you know, mental issue uh, calls ex- uh, escalate during full moons. I mean, mm-hmm. the emergency rooms know that they're needing to double staff on full moons. Well, why do they know that? Because that's what they statistically can see. And if they can statistically see that in just just with people like being affected by the moon, how does it say we're not affected by our clocks, not affected by the sun, not affected by the calendar? You absolutely well, are. You just touched on a very, very um, delicate topic there of how the right. sun dominates and dictates not only our lives, our, our circadian inner rhythms, our, our sexual patterns and rhythms, our moods and our emotions, but it also dictates that for nature as well. It dictates mm-hmm. how nature ebbs and flows. And now you can understand why the sun itself has been the primary um, idol utilized within spirituality and religion. 
Oh yeah. Guys, we'll be uh, Jim will be back here for with you for the next hour on the Dark Delight Show. I will be back with you tomorrow. Hope you guys all have a fantastic day. Take care. See you soon. All right, welcome back everybody to the Dark Delight Show. I'm your host here, Jim Price. In the second hour on Mondays and Wednesdays, guys, thank you so much for being here. You know, we've got so many of these things going on around the world between the money and the, the, the history of things. And we, we're trying to touch on all of it, right? We're trying to give you guys a, a better understanding. Like, like Josh said, if you do not have a counter-argument, if a, a, a quote-unquote opponent comes up, no matter what the situation is, okay? Whether, you like, whether it's about you like dogs, you like cats, you like birds, you like fish, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You know, you got to have the counter to it, right? So, it's, you know, I, I don't mind cats. I don't have a problem with cats. I just know that my eyes burn and, and water and my nose tends to run when I'm around cats. It's not the cat. I don't have a problem with that. It's the, it, it, the histamines that are created in my body because the cat is present. Now, that is a counter argument to someone going, my kitty is the best thing ever and we're the best buddies and we're this and that. And they, you know, okay, all right, well, cool. I don't have, like I said, I don't have a problem with cats. I just have a problem with my body reacts to cats. So with the illustration of that or the, you know, trying to create a parallel here is when you go in and someone says, well, you know, what do you think about, you know, the this or that? Like the stuff I, I talked to Josh about, or me and him, we questioned back and forth. And, you know, it's like, well, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Well, we're, we're really having great conversations. And, and even it's a quote, quote, unquote, even an argument because we're both trying to come at it from our point of view. And if you don't have the ammunition, if you don't have the ability to really counter and stand on your morals or stand on whatever it is you believe in, you know, that cats do not create allergies. And, you know, you're just being you're just being picky, Jim. You just don't like cats and this and that. It's like, I, you know, I, I don't like I said, I don't mind cats. It's not a thing about the cat. Now, I can go on. You want me to stay on my ground? You're still going to push me on cat? Well, Jim, you know, cats are great. You know, they, they do all this and the other thing. It's like, okay, well, cats carry parasites. And they are the biggest parasite carriers, and you know, basically for animals. Oh, well, Jim, you're just being picky. You're blah, 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 blah. My kitty cat doesn't have parasites. Okay, well, then it's okay. Well, then I've been in construction for, you know, my, my entire life. And uh, I've been in a lot of houses that have been destroyed by cats. So how about that part of it? You know, and, and well, what about your furniture? And so I could go down. So this is me countering. I, again, I'm still saying I don't have a dog in the fight. You know, it's like cats. You know, I don't have a problem with cats. I just don't like the histamine part with me, right? But I could go down that road and defend my point of view and say, no, listen, I don't like them. I, I don't like the. I don't like my allergies that I'm having around them. Well, there's no such thing as cat allergies. These cats are, you know, these cats are hairless or whatever it is, <laughs> you know. But this is where you have to be able to articulate your point of view and then stand there and then wait for the response and then listen to their response and then counter their response with whatever you want. Now, you can counter it with an agreement. You can counter it with more discord. You can counter it with, you know, something that's, you know, even ridiculous. Ah, cats are from, you know, the devil or something. You come out with something ridiculous and then just shuts everything down, right? Nothing, nothing moves from there. So when we talk about trying to walk through these times, these perilous times, and when I say create the parallel economy, I'm saying silver, gold, and brass to cover your butt, 
right? There's another word that rhymes a lot better in there, but you know, FCC, I don't know if they like me or not on that one, but you know, everybody's looking for an excuse. Uh, just, just, just like my TikTok live feed got shut down last Wednesday for no apparent reason whatsoever, other than someone just reported me being live on the radio with you guys on TikTok anyway. But we have to be able to articulate. We have to be able to talk and say things like, that's why I keep saying constitutional republic, constitutional republic, constitutional republic. I want you to say we are a constitutional republic every time you hear someone say democracy. I want you to say it out loud. Even if you're at home by yourself, if you're driving in your car right now, say constitutional republic. Say it. Don't just say it in your brain because the universe isn't in your brain. The universe can hear what you articulate out loud. We are a constitutional republic. We have a representative government. Anybody who takes money from my tax dollars whether it is mine directly or indirectly, they are a public servant. That is from the dog catcher to the president, period. Military to, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you're enlisted or officer. You're still a public servant. You still still kowtow to me. You bend at the waist and bruise your forehead, hitting the ground, bowing to me because I am your, I am your power. All, All political power is inherent in the people. It's derived from the people. It is brought from the people. The people give these other people a task to do as being a public servant. See, these are these. this is how you articulate. And they say this over and over again. We are a constitutional republic. Say it out loud. We are a constitutional... Don't, don't go, well, we're not a democracy. You're, you're crazy. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that part. Do, <laughs> do the part where it's like, well, we're not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. It's that simple. Well, you know, what do you mean a constitutional? Well, yeah, we are a representative government. We have public servants who go and do our bidding for us, and we hold all political power. The power is inherent in the people. You know, and, and if you say that and you articulate that, and I don't even know if you guys even bother to go out and print out your the Bill of Rights of your state and started reading them yet. But these are tasks that you guys have to do for yourself. This is where you have to bother to do this. I can't feed you. I can't feed. I, I can put the food in front of you. I can put the bowl of oatmeal or whatever it is that you want. I can put that bowl right in front of you. But you're going to have to do it. I can lead the horse to water, but I can't make it drink. What, are, what analogy do you want me to use where this is the part where you put forth effort? And this is where they this, see this is the you know the old E for effort man put the E for effort in there do it man get in there get involved and this is the big part of this right is you guys have amazing answers inside of yourself but we don't want to talk about that but this is this machine that you if you're not going to put effort forth if you're going to put effort forth then don't be surprised when they put more effort into it and they win see how that worked. If you don't put the effort in, and they do, and they win, what are you mad about? What are you mad about? Well, you, you know, they, they took my right away. <sighs> well, if all political powers are inherent in the people, how do they take anything from you? How did your public servant put you in chains? How did the servant, how did the servant put, how did the servant put the master in chains? If you're the master... If you're the master of your country, if you're master of your destination, then how do we get there? 
How is it that I got an article here that is uh, it's morale? Uh, we have a, a we have a moral pro we have moral progress going on. This is moral progress in your country. How is it that this is okay? New York Times promoting assisted suicide for mental illness. Assisted suicide is a more is moral progress and should also be available for su- uh, those suffering mental illnesses, according to the recent New York Times piece that admits many who have experienced intense mental mental suffering eventually find themselves grateful for their lives once a suicidal moment or attempts have passed. Now wait, which way do they want it? Why is this kind of article being written and who was the how bad were all the other articles for the New York Times? How bad were the other articles that this one got published? What were they talking about? Size and color of dog poop and they's like, "Well, no, we're going to go with the uh let's go with the assisted suicide thing. That's that's uh that's let's go with that one. That's that's what we need to do." But this again, again it's a, it's an, it's an opinion piece. But again, is there nothing else out there that we want to talk about other than this? Uh, let's see here. Uh, this the article goes on to say uh, his attempts and uh, the author admits. Oh, I'm sorry. Despite his attempts, the author admits to being grateful for having failed each time. Talking about suicide, and yet as a 55 year old white man, a member of one of the groups at the highest risk for suicide in America, and the and the happily married father of five, I am thankful that I. Uh, am incompetent at killing myself, he writes. I mean, this is, why are we having this? Why aren't we talking to each other? Why are we okay with the fact that Canada has actually brought this into one of their, this is part of their mainstream, that the, the homeless, remember this? We talked about this probably a few months ago. You know, the homeless in in, 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 in Canada up there, oh, Canadians, those guys, those guys, they're they're okay with you know uh, getting rid of the homeless by assisted suicide. They're, they, this is a real thing. We have devalued the human life, and we have allowed for this. And it just goes back to the conversation I had with Josh in the first hour. We should be absolutely embarrassed in ourselves that we do not create a better value of the human life. We should be ashamed of ourselves through the annals of the hist- of history. As pay as the all all the, the pages of history are written, we should be absolutely embarrassed to ourselves going back through. I don't care what civilization it is. I don't care how far you go back. I don't care if you go to Mao, where he killed all those people, sixty five million people, or even Stalin killed twenty five thirty million people. I'm not no, guys. We have rationalized that the human being means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. We don't even value each other. I'm telling you guys to go find out who your neighbors are, and you're not even willing to put forth that effort. Well, Jim, I'm just too busy. I got too many other things going on. My world's so complicated. I got all these things. Guys, you are falling for the trap that the human being next to you, the human being in the house next to you, isn't worth it. Yeah, that's the world we're living in right now. I'm going to come back and talk about this more after the commercial break. Uh, We'll be right back. Hey guys, Josh here. Mike Lindell of MyPillow has been an amazing patriot supporting President Trump and conservative and Christian values throughout the last four to five years with everything that's been going on. We ask you to go out to MyPillow.com and help support Mike Lindell as well as myself and this show, The Dark Delight Show, with using 
promo code RPP to save up to 66% on your purchase. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. The world is becoming more unglued by the day. Local consequences are now showing up. We are seeing sky-high gas prices, higher food prices, shortages, and more. How should you respond? Go to redpills.tv slash patriot. That's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash patriot. And secure your long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is by far the largest preparedness company in America. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food supplies last up to 25 years in storage. When you need it, it'll be there. Lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Get free shipping on any order over $99. Again, go to redpills.tv slash patriot. The global financial system is on the verge of collapse. Here in the United States of America, we have rising inflation, rising cost of goods and services from gas to food. We have supply chain disruptions. We have the incompetent presidency of the United States of America running the U.S. dollar into the ground by debasing it by radicalized spending and printing. There is only one thing in this world right now that is a worthy investment that has been the hedge for inflation year after year. Guys, that's gold and silver. Look, I invest in gold and silver and there's no reason why you should not either. My buddy, Dr. Kirk Elliott, is an economist and financial advisor, and he is amazing at what he does by helping you get your 401ks, your IRAs, or just helping you purchase gold and silver bullion. You can give him a call at 720-605-3900 or go to getgoldtoday.com and let him know that Josh from the Red Pill Project sent you. Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. (laughs) What? Cats? What are you talking about, man? All right, well... I'm Jim Price, the Dark Delight Show, and welcome back here to WYSL. Thank you guys so much for hanging in there. As this this article goes on, I was, I was reading it, and this is something that I, I wanted to talk about, only because it, it it's just having this nonchalant conversation about how this person is is really grateful that they pulled themselves out of this mental ditch that they were in, but they also you know refer to the idea that um, you know the eligibility of Canadians to be able to go and get a medical assistance in dying. M-A-I-D, made. Made, mad, made, 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 right? M-A-I-D. That's the acronym they're using. Uh, The M-A-I-D, you know, medical assistance in dying. That's a program, that's what the Canadians call it, and it's really kind of, it's kind of, I don't know, it's not kind of, it's just, it's just a bad thought that we've even normalized this conversation at all. How did we get here where 100 years ago we would never have thought about the fact that we're going to go out and just find homeless people and say, hey, would you rather be alive or dead? We can make it uh, peaceful for you. This is this is ridiculous that we're even having this conversation. And in here, in the same, the same breath, the ind- individual's talking about how they – are glad that they were able to pull through it and that they had they had assistance right they were able to find you know to get the proper medical assistance the the right kind of assistance in the psychiatric care right 
My problem with this is, is that when every time I talk to people who work with their psychologists or psychiatrists or counselors or any of these other things, the greatest thing that solves all of our problems is each other. They will tell you even the even the chemically stuff, all the chemically challenged people that they put up a bunch of you know, there are the yes, there are there's gonna be those people that are absolutely broken. There is a problem, something happened, the brain's not working properly. And I'm I'll give you that one. But I'm talking about the vast majority, the ninety-nine percent of us, the ninety-nine, probably even ninety-nine point nine percent of us would just be a lot better human being. The world would be a lot better place if we just were decent to each other. And why do I got to sound like I'm just like some, oh, yo, man, I've got my beads in my hair and I'm, you know, I'm here at Kumbaya out here with all my people. No, I'm just saying that in general, that's, as a father, I, I, I saw that can be completely necessary. You know, the kids in the neighborhood, the kids stayed up, you know, whenever we were doing something, the kids wanted to be at, you know, come with my kids. They wanted to go where we were going. They wanted to spend the night. They wanted to hang out. They wanted to do this. They wanted to do that. They like to go in the, we had, uh, we do fried tacos at my folks' house on Friday nights. You know, my, my son or my daughter, they would, they would always, oh, can so-and-so go? Yeah, come on, bring them along. And we always enjoyed having people with us. But what we've done, I mean, even through COVID, we 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 showed people how how hateful we can be, how mindless we can be, how hurt, just hurtful, hateful and hurtful. This is a real thing that we've allowed for this destruction of who we are, and not to come together in this time, but to push apart and then find a good reason to fight about it. If those who were walking around masks felt virtuous and the idea that they were in their mask, and obviously that meant that they were all jabbed up, well, then obviously those that didn't wear masks were obviously the the science deniers. Oh, you denied science. How dare you? Oh. And this is where we got, we find this slippery slope of things. And this is another article out there. It says, from transgender to transible. <laughs> I don't know if I said that right or not. Uh, people are now choosing to identify as handicapped. Uh, this is, <laughs> oh, I don't want to laugh about this, but uh, a transable woman uh, who blinded herself went on Dr. Phil a few years ago. She explained that um, she shouldn't have been, uh, she should have been born blind and is happier now. Um, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about people now identifying about whatever it is they want to identify. I want to be an attack helicopter today, and you got to respect me for being. Well, I'm going to be disabled today. I, my legs don't work. You got to carry me around. I guess when you're, you won't stand for anything, you'll fall for anything, right? And that's where we're at. We have people who believe that if they just believe that they're, <laughs> they're paralyzed, um, this individual here, it says that, uh, let me read this for you. The new trans trend, transabled. Uh, this woman is pretending to be paralyzed and confined to a wheelchair for attention. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is what they really are doing out there, folks. And then what's going to happen is you get to pay for it. Because if I can't walk or I can't function because of my disability, well, then I get to be on disability, right? And you get to pay me out of the Social Security account that they say everybody has already said that's already bankrupt and the money's already lost. 
but that's where we're going. That's what we believe is the next okay. That again, well, if you let a dude suddenly decide one day that they're just going to be a woman or a baby doll or a cat or a dog or whatever it is. Remember there was a girl in Ohio that uh, had them put a litter litter box in the bathroom so that she could use the bathroom in a litter box like a cat. Uh, They actually accommodated this individual in the Ohio area, in the state of Ohio, and let this girl do her business in an open litter box. And I just want to know, like, what is the, does does the janitor get hazardous pay for doing litter boxes? Isn't that part of a different, do they have to have the ASPCA or the Humane Society take care of that? What, are you qualified? I mean, these are all questions you have to ask yourself, right? Because if we're all just going to start identifying as dogs and animals and birds and cats and whatever, or I may, (laughs) I'm disabled. (laughs) What do you, you, how do you, uh... all right, so. Today, I'm going to be uh, disabled. Ta-da! My legs just don't work anymore. How insulting is that, though? How insulting? I mean, let's do this. Doesn't this, doesn't this create an insulting to those that... Doesn't, this, doesn't men dressing like exaggerated versions of women tucking their junk between their legs, isn't that insulting to women? Isn't me saying that... Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a birthing person, and we're supposed to call it now, and I can't call it a woman. Uh, if I say I can have a baby, and now you have to re- respect my ability to try to want to get get pregnant. I mean, you should feel bad for me because I have not been able to get pregnant, right? That's even though I've done nothing to try to get pregnant, but you should still feel bad for me because this is my this is my checkbox. How is it so? So there's women out there who can't get pregnant, who have the tilted uterus, you know, different, you know, fallopian, fallopian tube issues, different things like that. People spend tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars doing in vitro test tube babies, the, I mean, hormone shots, the the whole thing, right? And they can't. And then they're just, just like, they can't even try to spend the money. They go in, they do the regular doctor visit, like, hey, you're sterile. I mean, you get the you get the tetanus shot, and it's sterilizing you. But isn't it an insult to women this that can't to say, "Oh, I'm a man; I can have a baby now." Isn't that that's a little bit much? And no different than maybe there are people out there who you know maybe aren't as attractive as you are as a man trying to be a woman, and just them being a woman. Maybe there's a woman. There's I mean, I'm pretty sure there's women out there who wish they were as attractive as some of these quote-unquote men can be. But that still doesn't mean that that man's a woman. He just has effeminate features. But yet that woman over here who's trying, who's doing what she can, that God didn't do her some favors, that that individual is being pushed aside because some guy decided to be a woman? Do you see where this... this and now we've got people who have actual legs, who operate who do what they're supposed to do. This is ridiculous. They're going to fake that they're paralyzed? What about those people that are working, spending millions of dollars trying to get their legs to work through stem cell research and or you know uh, treatments and, and spinal surgeries and therapies and, and all this stuff? They're just trying to get their legs back, and there's some dummy out there. Uh, my legs are broken today. Yep, they just don't work. Just how insulting. 
How absolutely insulting. Yet, (sighs) to say that we need to have an articulate, to be able to articulate, which I'm not doing very well, to say that we, we need the ability to articulate an argument, to articulate a counterpoint, I think this is about as good a t- articulation of a, a counterpoint in the situation that we're in right now where you say, okay, listen, you can't go around saying you don't have working legs. Anyway. All right, guys, we've got a commercial break coming up here in WYSL, the Dark to Light Show. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Dark to Light Show here at the bottom of the hour, the second hour of this extended lunch hour, Mondays and Wednesdays. All right, guys. You know, uh, we do have a, a caller. Keith, are you there? Yes, sir. Do I go ahead here? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I got you, buddy. Go ahead. I wanted to squeeze in uh, a question about the press radio club dinner from Saturday where mm-hmm. Biden gave the obvious canard that uh, our American journalists being held by the Russians and any other journalists around the world should be released a very obvious comment that did not have to be made. It was that obvious. My question, why didn't, uh, because there were 2,600 attendees, why didn't any of those Democrat activist reporters jump up and say, well, uh, Biden, uh, if we we were true journalists and started investigating your Biden crime family and uh, really went after Hunter the way we should have been since 2019, that far back, Biden would have said, oh, no, no, no. The hypocrisy would have been rampant uh, and very obvious for all to see. Uh, Oh, he'll speak out, uh, keep using the term obvious, that our reporter uh, taken illegally by the Russians, by Putin, is being held. But when it comes to true investigative journalism, especially against the corrupt Democrats, and all that they have uh, befallen in our country in the two-plus years of Biden's existence in the White House. Uh, Mm -hmm. Biden promised the American people complete transparency when he came in, and his government uh, administration is the least transparent, uh, even in uh, American recent history amongst presidents. Uh, This guy Biden will not uh, open up on anything. So my question to all the audience uh, especially Democrats, how do you feel about this administration that will not take questions? Oh, Biden will stick up for the obvious, but when, it come, when the chickens come home to roost against he mm-hmm. and his crime family, they don't want anything at all to do with freedom of the press. They close ranks, and uh, just like with Obama, who hated journalists, uh, his boy Biden is carrying on that sound tradition for the corrupt Democrats. I want to know from Democrats themselves what they think of this corrupt Biden administration that will have nothing to do with the free press and how no one there amongst those reporters, 2,600 at that dinner Saturday night, let senile, demented Biden just chatter on and not be challenged at all. I want to hear from Democrats on that. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and you know, Keith, you're, you're right on this. The disdain that you have in your voice for these people is it should be real by every American out there. It's like, why aren't you even pushing back? I mean, obviously, if they're not willing to push back, that means they're going along, right? 
Biden counts on that. No, no if I had been there, uh, not to place myself on a pedestal, I'd have been jumping up in his face and saying, you're a hypocrite. You don't want anything to do with a free press. You, know, you promised transparency, Biden. You said you would be, oh, you were going to be so different than your hated Trump. You were going to be transparent, and the, the walls closed in very tightly immediately. From day one, Biden has been the exact opposite of transparent. He's been foolish. And he's hidden. He's got corrupt people like we're finding out now with the Secretary of State Blinken and how uh, he conjured up uh, the memo about uh, Trump being a, a Russian uh, um, asset and an actual Russian agent and even Russian spy. Uh, that was done by current members of the Biden administration. Where are the American journalists? Where where are the true reporters of your when uh, they would do, even even back in the the better days, when a lot of the reporters were still Democrats, like Dan Rather and so on, they still would investigate. They knew that uh, they ha had to do something, that they couldn't just l let Democratic administration go unchallenged, whatever any of us conservatives think of the likes, just to pick a name, uh, Dan Rather, but uh, they at least had some... Um, conscience of what their duty demanded as true reporters and journalists. Who, who today out there in the media is a true journalist? Uh, unless you're mm -hmm. conservative, uh, amongst the Democrat crowd, there are no true investigative reporters anymore. And in closing, Biden and his, his ilk, that whole criminal administration of his, including the attorney general, all of them, they count on the media being on their side and not bringing up these ticklish issues that would get the American people in an uproar if we had, if the, if the press, the American media, told the American people about the true story of Hunter's laptop. Biden may not have been elected. The uh, forty percent, upwards of forty percent of Democrats are saying we knew nothing about the Hunter laptop. The, the American media deliberately kept that from us. Where are the journalists of today? who are taking on the corrupt Democrats, you know they'd be all over Trump like a, a wet blanket. Where are the journalists today going after Biden, a true criminal organized entity, that family, nine members of them getting payments from around the world, everywhere from China to Ukraine, all that big, big largesse coming into the Biden crime family, where are the investigative reporters today to investigate all of that? I want to hear from Democrats, especially on this very issue. Absolutely. Well, Keith, I think you hit on every single spot on that. We we do see that the lackluster, or you know, really just this this they just go along. Well, here's the thing, Keith. Keith, if I was giving you a million bucks a year, I mean, how much of how much of your opinion is going to change about Jim Price or what you're going to say about Jim Price if I'm paying you? millions or even billions of dollars a year to form an opinion about me. Do you think that's going to change things? I mean, that's that's what we know in the media. We saw what, what Twitter was getting paid. Imagine what Facebook or CNN or NBC or even Fox is getting paid from our, our uh, State Department or CIA or wherever it's coming from. Are you still there? Oh, it's just me. Sorry, we cut Keith off. Uh, but but this, is, this, is, this is the question you have to ask yourself, right? How much are you going to actually push back on me? How much are you going to say that I'm good, bad, or indifferent? What, what are you going to say about me if I'm the one who's paying your money? 
You know, if I'm paying you all this money, if I'm, I'm paying you, I mean, look, look at the Twitter files. Look what we've done with Twitter. Look how far that's gone. Look how far down the road that has that thing has gone. We have found out not just that they had access to Twitter, but we had federal employees working in Twitter. Then we had federal employees who had access to Twitter. I mean, we have, you think about this. What did, what did Twitter actually have uh, control of? Because we had ex-FBI, CIA, NSA, Homeland Security employees working for Twitter directly. Then we had direct FBI, CIA, NSA, Homeland Security people that were working inside of Twitter. So they're getting paid by you, the federal, you guys, you you guys, your money is paying these people their salary, but they're working in Twitter. And then Twitter gave the government even greater power by saying, here's an access, here's an app, here's a, here's a portal into Twitter. Don't even worry about talking to us. You go do your thing. You just go into Twitter, change what you want. Blacklist who you need to, shadow ban who you need to, you know, red flag, delete, whatever it is. See, guys, I, I, I don't think we realize that Trump was reinstated on Facebook like a year ago, and Trump has been uh, been publishing on Facebook. If you go to the if you go to the Trump uh, Facebook page, you'll see that he's still there. He's been publishing his his uh, speaking things on there. He doesn't po- post it on it, but his videos have been there. And then Twitter, see Twitter, he was back on Twitter about the same time. See, he's on there. He's his account is there. And you could go count on, you could go or you could go comment on it. But he hasn't used it. Why? Because he's tied into True Social. By the way, he was given a lot of money to go to True Social, guys, and I don't think people realize uh there was a lot of zeros involved in that whole thing. And uh, whether you guys like it or not or whatever, True Social, I'm not a big True Social fan on that whole thing. I do appreciate that it gave him a platform that he could talk on. But I also know that CloudHub does zero censoring, does not, you know, you can say whatever you want about the pedo in chief. You can say whatever you want about the Hunter Biden laptop. Uh, You can't post the pictures from Hunter Biden's laptop on there because we don't know how old some of those women are on there. But you can post a lot of the stuff he's got on there. And uh, they don't they don't they don't censor you on on uh, vaccines or HCQ or ivermectin or any of that. But anyway, we have, you know, we have this situation where Twitter and Facebook and Google and, you know, the Alphabet company, whatever it is, all these different, you know, these different search engines out there. We know that they have direct contact and direct contracts with our federal government. Why does I, I, this is a question I've asked over and over again? Why does Walmart have a multi-billion-dollar contract with the federal government renewed year after year, but yet there's no quote-unquote services given? There's no products given. There's no exchange of of goods. And why is that? Well, is it because they're giving direct access to the military and others to the data they collect out of Walmart, the camera systems, the the different sensors and things that they have in there. I mean, why is it that they get this money? But we're not talking about Walmart, right? We're talking about Twitter. We're talking about Facebook. We're talking about, well, why do I keep seeing over and over again these direct ties through BlackRock, uh, through Vanguard, through our government, 
I mean, even 51% of our of Chevrolet of America is owned by the federal government. We still have not let go of that. Why do we hold to those stocks there? I mean, just questions, right? All right, guys, we do uh, have a commercial break coming up, and we'll be right back. Hey guys, Josh here. Mike Lindell of MyPillow has been an amazing patriot supporting President Trump and conservative and Christian values throughout the last four to five years with everything that's been going on. We ask you to go out to MyPillow.com and help support Mike Lindell as well as myself and this show, The Dark Delight Show, with using promo code RPP to save up to 66% on your purchase. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. The world is becoming more unglued by the day. Local consequences are now showing up. We are seeing sky-high gas prices, higher food prices, shortages, and more. How should you respond? Go to redpills.tv slash patriot. That's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash patriot. And secure your long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is by far the largest preparedness company in America. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food supplies last up to 25 years in storage. When you need it, it'll be there. Lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Get free shipping on any order over $99. Again, go to redpills.tv slash patriot. The global financial system is on the verge of collapse. Here in the United States of America, we have rising inflation, rising cost of goods and services from gas to food. We have supply chain disruptions. We have the incompetent presidency of the United States of America running the U.S. dollar into the ground by debasing it, by radicalized spending and printing. There is only one thing in this world right now that is a worthy investment that has been the hedge for inflation year after year. Guys, that's gold and silver. Look, I invest in gold and silver, and there's no reason why you should not either. My buddy, Dr. Kirk Elliott, is an economist and financial advisor, and he is amazing at what he does by helping you get your 401ks, your IRAs, or just helping you purchase gold and silver bullion. You can give him a call at 720-605-3900, or go to getgoldtoday.com and let him know that Josh from the Red Pill Project sent you. Dark Delight on the WYSL stations. All right. Welcome back, everybody. The Dark Delight Show. I appreciate you all hanging in there after the commercial break. Going back to this is, again, this whole situation where we have to think about, you know, what I've been talking about for the last hour is effort. Having a counterpoint, being able to push back rationally against other people uh, that come into you with emotional-based conversations, that come into you with this lunacy of, my legs don't work, so I am a disabled. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I've, let, let's just do this. You know, I got, I got, um, I did construction for so long, guys, and I, and I did. I, I really screwed up my back in a lot of ways. And I played rugby till I was 45, and, I, the rugby actually wasn't as as painful as as construction, to be honest with you. And I know that sounds weird that you know rugby is uh, football without pads at the speed of soccer. In other words, it's an eighty minute running clock. The ball never stops moving. There are no timeouts. You just go right. 
So <laughs> my body hurt more from construction, but you know, there was, I went to, I went to acupuncture for two years, two years, every Monday morning, I went in and got, got acupuncture to keep me walking. And I tell you, it, it, it's been amazing. The relief I had, the, the growth I had, the strength I have now from doing that acupuncture, uh, with the real person who was trained in Hong Kong and, and, uh, really, really knew her stuff, really do appreciate everything she did. But it, it's kind of, it kind of irks me. I'm over, I was over here, you know, bent at the waist, trying to straighten my back and there was in a lot of pain. And, you know, there were times that it was just, it was all I could do to stand up straight and all this. But for someone just to deliberately decide that one day, you know, oh, my legs don't work. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a paraplegic. I'm a quadriplegic. I'm a dummy, whatever it is. And then they're going to sit in a wheelchair. I was over here, you know, struggling, spending money and time and trying to make myself, you know, keep myself walking. I wanted to be able to be, you know, mobile and do all these things. I could not imagine just giving up. But then these people can just now identify as disabled. Do you see where we've gone wrong with the fact that we just we we have to talk to each other and how you keep dummies from saying, I'm disabled today. I'm going to be an attack helicopter today. Whatever it is, is by having conversations. And I know that sounds so trivial, but you normalize human behavior by talking. The more we talk, the more we interact with each other, we actually are able to hone the other person's character, the other person's per, uh, perception and perspective on life, um, the angle which they look at it and, and the process which they look at it, perspective and perception. Perception is the thought process. Perspective is the angle. When you give them your angle and your perspective, you get to change. You get to they, they hear you saying it out loud, and you're like, you know, it sure is weird. I can't believe someone wants to just decide they want to be disabled one day. That's just the craziest thing I've ever heard. And if your legs ain't broken, get up and walk. Yeah, man, I can't believe that. Well, who would just want to say they're wanting to be, you know, just crippled one day? Well, I can't believe I can't believe there's people out there. But that person may have been thinking about, you know what? I'm going to go be disabled today. But you tested them. You got out there and had that conversation and said, hey, I sure it's crazy to hear about those people wanting to be disabled and be all weird and stuff. Yeah, man, I can't believe that. You may have just caused that person by normalizing the conversation out loud to actually pick a different path in life. Why? Because you opened your pie hole. Instead of putting pie in it, you started talking about it. You started saying, listen, I want I want to say these things. I'm going to say it this way, and I'm going to be able to stand up with these facts. When you do that, you are actually making the people around you better. If what you if you're hanging around and you're not doing anything and you're not getting any yard work done, you're not picking up the trash or taking the garbage out. I don't take the garbage out till it's three feet above the lid. Well, that's dumb. Why don't you take it when it's half full? Whoever said that taking the trash out when it was full was was the way you do it? Well, we don't want to waste plastic bags around here, Jimmy. We don't do that kind of stuff. Well, would you rather have a half bag of trash taken out every day, or? an overfulled bag that might leak and drip and smell every two or three days. Well, how about you just take a half bag out every day and keep your house smelling cleaner, keep your trash bag, keep your trash can half full. Then maybe the dogs and the cat won't get into it while you're gone, but it just makes the world a better place. But see, I'm having that conversation out loud. I can change minds. I can talk to people. I can affect them. 
And if I don't go out there and if I don't talk and if I don't act, then why am I surprised when everybody's a bunch of weirdos? Well, if you have great ideas, get out there and say them. If you have the ability to articulate an argument or stand a point and say there, I'm not going to give up on this point. I'm going to stay right here. Then do it. Then do it. That's that that really that is the that, that's the, that's the secret. The secret is talk. <laughs> the password is talk. That's it. That's all you got to do. Just need to talk. And in the, I mean, there's a lot of people that will talk about Candy Crush or what's the latest song that came out from this person or that person, or they know who starts on the baseball team tonight or who got drafted in the NFL draft over the weekend in Kansas City or, you know, there, there's people that know that, you know, oh, I know, you know, oh, he's got a brother that's in high school. It's just as good as he is. He's coming up. His brother's going to go to Texas Tech and his mom works at the Piggly Wiggly. And I mean, have a conversation about freedoms and liberties or have a conversation even about that, because sometimes that conversation will lead to something else. But normalize the conversation. Talk. We can beat the psychological effect of people feeling lonely and wanting to be, be, you know, be seen. Okay, then we can stop them from thinking weird things like I'm disabled today. (laughs) Just don't do that. Um, We could say that, you know, killing babies by the millions every year. We're just going to stop doing that. We're going to commit committing that committing that genocide. It's amazing that we're willing to kill all these kids, but yet we've got you know billions of dollars into fertility every single year for people trying to have kids. But then we have the pharmaceutical companies spending billions of dollars a year putting vaccines into your body that that sterilizes you. See, they they have they put the the vaccines in there, including the tetanus shot. The tetanus shot is one of the big ones, but they put all these MMRs and all this other stuff in your kids. And it sterilizes them, okay? All right? But then they, the same companies, you know, hey, we've got this fertility drug that'll make you so you can have kids because we made it so you couldn't have kids. So we kind of like the dandelion killer. Same company who created the dandelion killer created the chemotherapy for the cancer you get from the, the dandelion cancer. See, do you see that? But dandelion is actually an anti-cancer. An anti, it's uh, good for your heart and all kinds of stuff, but... The chem, the chemicals you you use on your yard to kill dandelions, is the same. It, it, the company who c- created that chemical created the other chemical to put in your body to kill the cancer from killing the dandelions. And now this year, my neighbors are going to hate me. I literally, guys, am not going to do chemicals anymore on my yard. I don't know what's going to look like. We're going <laughs> to we're going to hope for the best. <laughs> Hey, I was a big fescue guy. Love green. I love my green grass. I love it nice and mowed and love it all that stuff. But you know what? I'm just going to decide not to play. I'm not going to play the whole the whole uh, kill the kill the weeds. Kill the wabbit. Kill the wabbit. I'm just going to do that this year. And I hope that I can handle it. <laughs> I, hey, guys, I tell you guys to do things. I am practicing them myself. I am going out of my way to make sure that I, you know, follow the same things I'm telling you guys. Stay away. Don't kill your dandelions. Don't destroy. Don't destroy your environment with all these chemicals. Do something different. Well, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to try to be that different guy, and I'm going to let you know how it goes. I'll report back to you. But uh, you know, I liked my green grass. I like my, you know, edged lawn and all that good stuff. So we'll see. I always had the plaid pattern in my yard because I mowed it different directions and. 
We can get better than this, guys. All right, guys. Thank you so much for hanging around the Extra Hour Dark Delight show here on WYSL. I'm your host, Jim Price, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye.